good to once again be in the house of the Lord and to worship with you and to sing songs of joy to the Lord, our Redeemer, and to hear God's people pray together. I believe that the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yea and amen, and not one word of all that he has promised will ever fail. Do you believe that? Well, you're, you're going to need to hang on to that uh, tonight because what we want to talk about is the unholy trinity. I mentioned last time in Revelation chapter 13 as we dealt with the first beast or uh, therion, destructive force that is going to uh, rise up uh, from the earth in the last days. But I want to preface the things that I say reflecting upon our study thus far uh, beginning with chapter 11 actually and progressing through 12 and now 13 we we see the reality of the spiritual warfare brother Nathan has brought to our mind a, a current illustration of of the darkness that is so prevalent in our generation teenage suicide is up over 600%. It's just unbelievable, the statistics that they release and showing, um, you know, the uh, the COVID isolation has had more impact on young people than it has anyone else. And that hopelessness and uh, sorrow, because what is happening in our culture the focus of our attention is upon uh, a horizontal level it, it's like the book of ecclesiastes it's under the sun everything under the sun is vanity and vexation of the spirit that's why we would say uh, i hate this house uh, i hate this school i hate this city i hate this country or whatever it is uh, that darkness uh, is there and i believe it's demonic Many of the struggles that people, at least that I talk to um, in my work week, uh, many of the struggles that uh, people tell me about are actually spiritual in nature. It's not psychological. It's not like they're going crazy, losing their natural mind. It's because they're dealing with a spiritual element of sin called guilt. And they don't know what to do with it. Uh, people need to know what to do with guilt as we confess our sins before the Father. He's promised on the authority of His Word that He'll wash us from all iniquity. That's His promise. And, um, and when people get a handle on that, it breaks those chains of darkness and despair. And the word despair comes from a Greek word that literally means no exit, no way out. That's when an individual commits suicide. They can't see any way out of their dilemma. And they come to the end of themselves and don't know where to look. That's one reason I believe the church needs to be very vigilant in reaching out to those that are in despair. We've got something for them. We've got some good news for them. But in order for us to appreciate the good news, when we preach the gospel, we have to present the bad news. That's why 
Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 precede Romans chapter 8. You see, where the Apostle Paul is dealing with the depravity of mankind, and then he presents the gospel showing the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's in harmony with, with the book of Revelation. We have to understand that this world and the kingdoms or the nations of the world are under the dominion of Satan. They're under the dominion and delusion of satanic powers that we can't see. We cannot enumerate. But we know that the battle is very real. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 and verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not uh, carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we're going to be talking about some dark things tonight, but we're going to be talking about them in respect to what we know we have in Christ, which is the victory. So tonight... We want to read the second half of this chapter together, and then, and then we'll come back and, and make a few necessary comments. Last time we were together, we stopped in verse 10, where the Apostle John says, Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. In other words, we're going to be tested. We're going to be tried. Our, our, our faith is going to be tried as long as we live in this wicked earth. Remember the first part of this uh, chapter is dealing with uh, the reality of Satan standing upon the sea, which is symbolic of the nations over which he's ruling. Now this comes very clear in chapter 17 that we'll get to later. And the animals under consideration represent successive empires that we read last time in Daniel chapter 7. And they correspond to the elements of those empires. You know, the Babylonian Empire, the lion, right? Uh, the uh, Medo-Persian Empire, which is uh, figurative of the bear. And then the Greece, Greek Empire, which is the leopard. And then, then there's a fourth kingdom that is connected to Rome, which was the... Uh, the uh, a beast with the, the teeth of iron, uh, something that would endure for over seven long centuries, Rome did. And that's going to tie into what we're going to study tonight. All of the evils represented in those empires are going to be fully expressed in the kingdom of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is someone that is completely taken over by Satan. He is the personification of Satan himself. And because of that, he has unusual power, a power uh, that is beyond human uh, capability and human uh, ability. And we need to keep that in mind. And he inhabits or possesses this Antichrist, this beast that comes up uh, out of the, the sea. And uh, is we're going to find tonight is going to speak with the authority of the dragon which is satan this is the little horn in daniel chapter 7 verse 8 this fourth kingdom represents not only rome but it also represents the kingdom of the antichrist as we discovered in second thessalonians chapter 2 last time 
I want you to keep in mind what we read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 where, um, where uh, the Apostle Paul says that God is going to send strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And I'm going to tell you that Satan himself is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. So, so we're going to see that, uh, see that continued tonight in our study of the other beast. This, this is the third part of the Trinity, the unholy Trinity. Satan, the great imitator, imitates the Father. The Antichrist is the great imitator of Jesus. He's going to have miraculous power. He's going to have unusual power because he's, he's, he's energized by Satan himself. And tonight we're going to talk about the false prophet which is uh, imitating the Holy Spirit. That's why we're titling our study, The Unholy Trinity. Now listen to what he says. And I beheld another beast. Now, the word another, remember last time we talked about um, that word. Uh, Another can either be another of the same kind or another of a different kind. This is another of the same kind. It's evil. This is a part of that unholy trinity against God and all that is called God. And I beheld another beast, Therion, coming up out of the earth, out of the earth. And, the, and, and in my mind, I'm seeing this as the abyss that's under the earth. It's coming up from the earth itself and the abyss of hell itself. And, and he had two horns like a lamb. See, he's an imitator. He's imitating uh, the Prince of Peace. He's imitating the Lamb of God. He's imitating uh, that life of uh, gentleness and, and sweetness. He's, he's imitating it. But he speaks the language of the dragon. He speaks uh, with the uh, Satan's authority. He's Satan's mouthpiece, as it were. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, which is the Antichrist, right? Before him. And causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember, I want you to keep in mind, what we're discussing here is a supernatural being. Uh, What we're talking about here is the master of deceit, the master of trickery. Um, the Apostle Paul warned us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means craftiness. He's a crafty foe. And he's got 6,000 years of experience tempting, testing, and, and, and causing to stumble human beings. This is, this is him. And he's still at it. And he's going to increase his activity in the last days. And he does great. Oh, oh, and I wanted to make this point. He causes the earth to worship an image of the Antichrist. Don't miss this. Rem- remember the devil from the very beginning desired the worship that belongs only to God. He, uh, esteeming himself as God, says, I will be like God. And, and, and that's, his, that's his MO, that's his motivation, is to gather the worship of the human race and adoration of the human race. And here they are, uh, wandering after the beast, uh, 
and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now this is, this is significant. Remember in chapter 11 we read about the two witnesses that we believe are Moses and Elijah or representatives of Moses and Elijah because remember Elijah was one that would pray and the father would send fire down from heaven. Well here he's imitating He's imitating that kind of destructive force, uh, fire from heaven, and it's witnessed in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwell upon the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And, and last time I introduced you to uh, what most commentators uh, uh, would say about this uh, verse, he was dead and, and, and yet he received the wound that, and died and, and, and came alive again as some kind of a fake um, imitation resurrection. Remember, he's imitating the resurrection power of Christ, see? And by that means, he's able to deceive the hearts of the simple. Jesus would put it this way in the Olivet Discourse. He'd say, if it were possible, he would even deceive the very elect. If it were possible, he would even deceive the very elect. So he's all about deception, magic, black magic, uh, smoke and mirrors, Imitation, that's what he's about. In verse 15, and I'm going to say more on that in a minute. And he had power to give life unto the image. In other words, this image, this idol, if you will, that he's constructed in the image of the Antichrist, this is something he's going to actually set in the temple in Jerusalem, the temple that will be built. In Jerusalem, he's going, to, he's going to sit there and accept worship from people that come to the temple. And this is what Jesus called in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, the abomination of desolation. All right? Abominable. Yeah, that word just simply means detestable. God is detested by this kind of abuse of his house and his worship. He's usurping the authority of God. He had power to give life, or it looked like life, to the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast that they should be killed. See the power here? And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. Would you underline that word bond? Did you know that that, that that word means slaves? You know, we're, we're hearing a lot about slavery today, right? As though America is the only one that ever had any slaves. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of slavery in the last day. And it's going to be multicolored. <laughs> it's not just going to be one color. The slaves are going to be those that won't bow. That won't bow to the image of Baal. Just a note, just a note to encourage us, right? Like my little granddaughter says, this is skewy, skewy, skewy. Hold on. Free and bond, 
to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, somebody says, well, that's got to be symbolic. There's no way that people are going to take uh, uh, literal marks in their hands and in their forehead. Well, uh, you know, maybe 30 years ago, people would say that. But did you know that that's going on right today? Sweden. Sweden is putting the mark uh, related to medical information in a digital chip in the hands of its citizens. Did you know that? A lot of countries are fo- in Europe are following suit because, you know, that's a, that's a neat way to keep up with people. And by the way, with satellite technology, they can actually find where I- every individual is that has that mark. How about that? Where are you going to hide? Hmm. If, um, if you think that's uh, too uh, far-fetched, <clears throat> let, me, let me give you an experience I had this uh, past month. Uh, if you've ever been uh, in Memphis, that wonderful metropolis of Memphis, uh, no traffic at all. Um, if you're on Poplar and you're going to take a left turn on uh, Ridgeway to come to my house, which you're always welcome to, uh, I want you to time that yellow turn signal light. I, I never paid attention to it till I got a ticket. It is 1.5 seconds. The problem is you got to cross three lanes. And if you don't quite make it out of the intersection, there's a camera up on the top of a, a wonderful light and it takes a picture of your driver, uh, your uh, tag, and they send you a ticket. And I mean, they've got you. They've got the picture of, of you hollering at the guy in front of you to hurry up. The, the, your, your pickup and your, your, your tag, and, and they've got it there, and they say, you owe this amount of money. And if you don't pay it, you're going to be arrested. Now, 30 years ago, you wouldn't think that would even be possible. But then you start noticing all of the traffic lights have these little cameras in, in, in that part of town. And you start thinking, you know, they can see me. I can't see them, but they can see me. It doesn't matter where I turn. They, can, they even tell you how fast you're going through that intersection. It's amazing to me. Well, brothers and sisters, we're living in that kind of a technological era. So don't think that what we're talking about tonight, when I get a little further into this, don't think that what I'm saying tonight is beyond human capability to happen in this generation. All right, watch this. He says uh, he's going to cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. Now, that's a stigmata, a stigma, a, a, a tattoo, a mark of some kind in their right hand and in their foreheads. Why, back in the day in which this was written, there were several segments of society that were marked. Slaves were the most common. They would literally mark that person a slave. And, where, and it was a tattoo. It's something that they couldn't, they couldn't hide. They, they were known to be a slave because of the tattoo. 
Soldiers that served in the Roman army would have tattoos of their regiment, of their company. Um, they, they, would be, they, they would be marked so that they could, if, if they died in battle, they would know which company they came out of. Like a dog tag, only it was in their flesh, usually in their arm. And, you, you know, that, that kind of uh, marking is not uncommon even in our day. But in the last generation, there's going to be a specific mark that's placed upon individuals. And here it is. He's identifying it for us. And that no man might buy or sell hmm, or drive through an intersection. Uh, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Oh, the number. The number of his name. The number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score and six. Six, six, six. All right. The false prophet is going to duplicate the miracles of the two witnesses that we read about in chapter 11. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. And Jesus himself said that he will come with all lying wonders in Matthew 24. He makes the image of the beast, placing it in the temple, which is the abomination of, uh, of desolation that we read about. And the reason I'm reading this is because we don't have time to go back and read it together. But the abomination of desolation... Jesus taught us in Matthew 24, verse 15. Also, Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus came, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 45, said the same thing. And then, of course, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, and verse 4. Now, what, what they're talking about is this image is going to be set up in the temple, and, it, and it's going to be the object of worship. So Jesus and Daniel and the Apostle Paul said when that happens, it's going to cause the temple to be desolate. True worshipers are not going to go there. The, uh, the Jewish believers are not going to go there. Um, only those that worship Satan are going to go there. So it's going to be a, a place of abomination and a place of a detestation, a place of desolation. Okay, we, we, we've got that. But what about this mark? And is it possible that God's children will take this mark? Let's think about that for just a little while uh, tonight. 666. Six, six. The first six Roman numerals. Remember, we're going to number the name. Well, when a name is written, it's written in such a way is that there's a numerical value connected to each uh, numeral, uh, uh, each letter. Uh, when, you, when you see the advertisements for the Super Bowl, I think it's 56, is it? 50? Yeah, yeah, I think it's 56. Have, have you ever noticed how they use X 
X, you know, and my grandchildren are saying, what does that mean? Well, they're using Roman numerals because Roman numerals convey numerical value. So the first six letters in the Roman alphabet will all add up to 666. The I is 1, the V is 5, the X is 10, the L is 50, the C is 100, and the D is 500. And that leads me to believe that what John is referring to is a revived Roman empire, a revived Roman entity, a revived Roman tyranny or dictatorship over the world in the last days. It's interesting to me. This is so interesting to me. Um, have you ever thought about this? Six is the number of man. What day was man created on? Huh? What day was... He could have been uh, created any day, but he was created on the sixth day. Um... How many days was it commanded that man should work? Six, right? Have you ever thought about things like this? Have you ever wondered about the, the image that Nebuchadnezzar erected in Daniel chapter 3? How that it was six cubits high? Have you ever thought about Goliath? Goliath was six cubits high, right? We could go back to those verses and, and, and examine it real close. And, and, and all of a sudden, we're acquainted with the fact that, that six is the number of man created in the sixth day, told to work six days. The days of man are multiples of six. Four times six is 24 hours, right? Um, the minutes, minutes, six Times 10 is 60 minutes that make up an hour. Um, months are in multiples of six, right? Two times six is 12 months in a year. Well, well, interestingly, seven is the number of perfection. All the way through the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. Isn't it ironic uh, isn't it interesting, I should say, that man in his best and uh, ultimate uh, zenith of power, 666, six, six, you know, um, six cubed, will never be able to reach seven. He'll never be able to reach perfection. And that just drives Satan nuts. He, he, he works so hard and he just can't get past six. Six is the number of man. What about six, six? You know, what, what about 66, that number? Well, 66 is the number of the knowledge of God given to man. For instance, remember when they would set the, the 12 loaves of shoe bread in the temple, they would put it in two rows of six. And, and, and the bread, remember what Jesus said to the devil. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I come to the Bible, and how many books are in the Bible? How many 
in your Bible, how many books are in your Bible? 66. Do you think that that's um, an accident? I, I don't. I believe what it's telling us is that this is God's bread that he's giving to man. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then we come to 666. And we realize that what that represents is man, 6, using the knowledge that God gave man, 6-6, to exalt himself above God. It, it's the number of ultimate rebellion against God. I know there's a lot of different ideas about I remember reading an article about Pope John Paul. Remember that? Pope John Paul, you know, uh, numerically, his name uh, represented 666, and everybody said, well, that's got to be the Antichrist. Well, what, what I believe the Bible teaches about the Antichrist is that he will be of Jewish descent. And the Antichrist will be in the European theater. And that whole system that guided uh, Europe under, in the days of Rome will be revived in a more cruel and fierce way than mankind has ever known. And this is going to be a time of great judgment. This is going to be a time of great, great trial for the people of God. I want you to remember... Uh, verses like 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, when we're studying the apostate Solomon. Remember, uh, Solomon just went, can I use this, hog wild? He just went hog wild. I mean, what kind of guy, what, what kind of man has 700 wives? Give me a break. I couldn't even remember their birthday. Why? Uh, and how about the anniversaries? Can you imagine the trouble that man stayed in? 700. He went hog wild. He had tens of thousands of chariots and horses. He, he, he just went wild because of his prosperity and because of his wisdom that God had given him and because of his popularity and all of the things that he was doing. He, he was apostate. And we read this in that 10th chapter of 1 Kings. It will make you sick to your stomach. 1 Kings chapter 10, it says this about Solomon's income. In one year, he gathered 666 talents of gold. If you want to run the numbers on that, that's 24 tons of gold. Do you see the wealth? I mean, just think about it. What would you do with 24 tons of gold? I think Brother Kevin would finally retire. I do. I, I, I just do. I mean, he'd say, he, I think he'd say, enough's enough. I would too. But what I'm trying to get you to think is, the Bible only records this number two times. Once in the Old Testament, once in the New. And it's connected with an apostate king. 666 talents of gold. And in that same infamous chapter, we read where he made, a, a, get this, he made a throne of pure ivory. Now, you know how pretty ivory is. But it wasn't pretty enough. 
So he overlaid it with the finest gold. The Bible says the best gold, the finest gold. He overlaid that whole throne with gold. And then he had six steps that he would ascend up to that throne. And he didn't like them enough. He covered them with gold. And then he had lions, uh, golden lions, on each end of those steps. And these lions were all facing toward one another as you walked up the, the steps. You saw a lion on your left and a lion on your right, pure gold. And it just occurred to me. Six lions, six steps, six lions. Apostate. It's a number of man exalting himself above the knowledge that God gave to man. And the worship that is due to the king, the worship that is due to God alone, begins to be diverted to other things, even idols. It might be an idol of gold. It might be an idol of silver. It might be uh, a, an idol of uh, anything that would displace Jesus Christ being uppermost in our hearts. You see, that's what I believe the Antichrist is all about. I, I believe that's what he's striving for, is to divert the worship that belongs to God to, toward him and the devil. And don't you see that in our own generation? Don't you see that all around us? Um, my wife and I, uh, we, we had to stay in a hotel because our electricity went off and and, uh, you know, they've got this big TV in the, in the thing and uh, in the room. And we don't have a TV in our home. But we thought, well, maybe we can find the Atlanta Braves playing, a, you know, or some a Georgia Bulldog game. We, we were wanting to find something, you know, on there. And uh, we stopped at this one show and watched it about three minutes because of the language they use. And we realized, boy, you know, we haven't had a TV in our house in multitudes of years and I'm so glad we didn't we didn't miss a thing because everything that they showed us in that short period of time everything that they showed us was ungodly it's against God it causes you to think wrong thoughts it causes you to uh, uh, involve your, your thought process in things that God's people don't have any business in and it just occurred to us. That's why we don't want it. We don't need that kind of diversion. What we need to do as God's people living in this generation is to be careful that we don't take the mark of the beast, even accidentally. And that we're aware of Satan's devices. We're aware that it is the bondage and the darkness and the blindness of Satan that we're confronting. That's why Jesus said to the church, you're the light of the world. That's why he said, you're the salt of the earth. This earth is not our um, home, as it were. We're just pilgrims and strangers in this world. I want to go back, just give me uh, two minutes. I want to go back to the language of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. And I just want to make a few passing com comments in closing. Because I believe Jesus was preparing us for that very thing. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, when he's talking about... Uh, this unholy trinity, uh, drop down to verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs. You see this, plural? 
false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they would deceive the very elect. Now watch what Jesus said. Behold, I have told you before. I, I forewarned you. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. That's what Matthew Henry said. I like that. Jesus forewarned us. Wherefore, if, what, uh, verse 26, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For at, listen, listen. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We can't be deceived by those who claim to be Christ. We can't be deceived by those who claim to be a great prophet. We can't be deceived by anyone that would speak to us anything contrary to this word. And I promise you this, on the authority of God's word, if you and I will stand strong and firm in the word of God, the word of truth, we're not going to be deceived. And we'll be victorious in the end of time. May God bless this study to our, our heart's content. God bless you. Thank you for your good attention.